On today's episode of the Main Quest Podcast, I'm talking about Bomberman 93. everybody it is your favorite white male cisgender heterosexual blue-eyed blonde-haired video game guy uh telling you his opinions uh yet again about another video game i got these headphones recently and i'm wearing them so that i can make sure all my levels and shit for the show are spot on i don't know how people do this i can't stand hearing myself while i'm talking because i already have to edit the podcast and i already hate doing that so you know what hold on i just gotta i gotta take those off because i can't fucking concentrate i already have like a, a inner monologue that's constantly like going on in my head of like my my thoughts like it's weird because a lot of i guess like a lot of people don't have that inner monologue with themselves like when they when they read something, they don't hear a voice, which is kind of weird. Maybe that's weird. Maybe I'm fucking crazy. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I've had just like a weird combination of shit that I have put in my body. So right now I am drinking this uh, green tea Moscato. It is probably it's not gross. It's not good either. My mom gave it to me because she doesn't like it. And she usually likes shit like this. And so she she pawned it off on me because I'm like, fuck it, I'll drink. I'm, I'm an alcoholic, I'll drink this shit. But then like 20 minutes before this, I had uh, some CBD and I got like this love hate with the C. It just, it tasted like just straight marijuana. And I know like a lot of CBD products is like, hey, there's no THC, blah, blah, blah. Like I don't, I'm not a fucking chemist. I don't, I don't know anything, but I know what weed tastes like. I know what weed smells like. I'm not, I'm not stupid. It was like drinking liquefied weed. Um, anyway, I'm talking about nothing. Let's talk about uh, video games. So right now I am in the middle of playing Stardew Valley. What a fucking just what a fucking perfect, nice little like serene game. Uh, it's funny because it's like it's springtime now. You can't really go outside or go do anything. And so what a better game to like kind of pretend like you're outside talking to people uh, inches, inches away from you or, or, or farming or whatever and, and like exploring mines and, and and shit like that so yeah i've been i just been playing that like i'll usually like play it for like an hour like right before i go to bed and then before i go to work i'll like hop back on for like 12 more minutes which is i think it's like a, a 12 minutes is like a day in that game so just check up on the crops or whatever collect some fish sell fish whatever check the crab pots you know stuff like that i bought the game a few years ago didn't really play it. Uh, I think I maybe got like a couple hours in and I'm like, I don't have, I guess I I just didn't have the concentration for it. It is, it does start out like super slow. It starts out super slow. And I was just like, I don't have the time for this right now. And then I came back to it mm, like three months ago and I got about, I don't know, 15 hours in when I picked it up again, like a week ago 
or so, I was at the end of fall of year one. So I don't know how long that is. I think, I think that, I don't know, 15 hours seems like a lot, maybe 10 hours. But uh, it's, yeah, so I'm basically just still at the beginning of the game. Uh, my farm is doing okay, I guess. I don't know. I'm not like, I haven't made any like animal pens or anything like that. Um, I'm kind of fucked because I'm hitting winter right now and it, I don't have a greenhouse. So I really don't know what I'm going to do for money. I guess, I don't know if you can fish yet. I haven't seen winter in this game, so I really don't know what to expect yet. And I think I only have maybe like $4,000. I forgot what the fuck I just bought. Oh, I think I, I think I, um, I think I spent like 25 grand at the, uh, town hall or whatever. Cause it has like certain, those little, uh, I don't know, those gifts or whatever that you have to unlock. And one of them's literally just like, there's like three of them. That's just like, you spend money. I think one's like five grand, 10 grand, and then 25 grand. And so I spent money on all those uh, so I can get like the bus unlocked. If you've never played Stardew Valley, all of this shit probably just sounds like nonsense. But I, I mean, I guess if you haven't played any of these games, they all they all just kind of sound like nonsense. And I suppose the best way to enjoy this podcast, ideally, is if you just play along with me. I've been kind of like going back and forth between like... uh whether or not I should post the schedule of games or whatever so people can, like, if they have the game, they can go grab it and prepare or whatever. Maybe, maybe I will do that. I don't know. Uh, so I, I guess with that, well, let's just get into today's game, uh, which is Bomberman 93. Bomberman 93 was created by PC Engine, TurboGrafx-16 Architects, Hudson Soft, and released in Japan in December of 92 for the PC Engine, and came out the following year in North America. Since then, Bomberman 93 has been followed up with 59 sequels. That's, that's a lot of fucking sequels. And the latest one, Super Bomberman R, uh, was just released several years ago. Bobberman has had a release schedule uh, much similar to the fucking 2K games. Uh, there's been a Bomberman just about every year since 1990. And those those 59 sequels, those don't even count the games that came prior to Bomberman 93. I don't really have any personal connection to this Bomberman game in particular. Uh, I guess we'll get into it a little bit later when it comes to the gameplay, but almost every Bomberman game is pr pretty much the same, which I guess is another similarity between the Bomberman franchise and the 2K games. Uh, there are only minor tweaks to the gameplay and the graphics with each iteration of, of every game, except for Bomberman Zero. I've never played Bomberman Zero, and uh, I kind of, I kind of want to play it, it just has that it has that status of the worst game ever made, I think, or one of the worst games ever made. And I have kind of like an, a weird addiction to things that are just resoundingly awful. So maybe maybe if I get around to it, uh, I'll I'll pick it up if I can find it and, and I'll play it. F fuck, fuck it. I, I'll probably just do it on the show when it comes to it. But that's like, I don't know, that's like 400 episodes down the line. Anyway, I think the uh, the. 
Bomberman game I most fondly remember was Super Bomberman, uh, which I'm not even sure that we owned. It was for the Super NES. Uh, but for whatever reason, I, I remember playing, maybe it was the, the Java version for PC. It's not on my list for the show, uh, but if I need to, it's something that I can fix later. It's never too late. But again, that's that's something that's not going to come for at least 100 episodes or whatever. I'm always talking about the future of the show, but I actually need to just keep it like right here. Actually, in fact, we're going to go back into the past. We're going to go back into the 80s. Um, because I couldn't really find too much history on this particular game in the franchise. So I guess I'll just briefly touch on the history of the franchise itself, which started in 1980 with a demo for Basic, which uh, was run on Japanese PCs at the time. I believe I touched on the first episode for the TurboGrafx-16 about how Nintendo picked up Hudson to develop third-party titles for them in 1983. And then, of course, a few short years later, Hudson and Nintendo would release the Bomberman for the Famicom. Personally, I think Bomberman would have been an amazing mascot for the PC Engine or the Turbo Graphics, rather than who they went with. But understandably, there were probably some like legal and, and rights issues with, with Nintendo, which probably forced the hand of Hudson and basically brought forth what they would inevitably choose to be the face of the TurboGrafx-16, which, which sucks because I don't, I don't know how, I don't know what the word is, I guess litigious uh, Nintendo was back in the 80s. But I mean, we know present Nintendo is just so happy. They will fucking take anybody to court over anything. So it, it, it just, it just kind of sucks. Also, the original artwork for the North American Bomberman release is really fucking cool. Though Bomberman does suspiciously look similar to Samus from Metroid, but with no boobs. Also, speaking of the look of Bomberman, uh, we ain't talking about Fit Bomberman. This is Dad Bob Bomberman, and I'm kind of conflicted with which design I like a little bit more. There was something about like 1980s, like Japanese anime having like the fat, stout, like chibi look or whatever that kind of that kind of went away in the 90s and in the 2000s. I feel like a lot of um, I feel like a lot of chibi or fatter characters, rotund characters were not the center basis for an anime story. They were usually classified for uh, the comedic relief. I could probably be wrong. I don't watch that much anime, but I know a thing or two about uh, Japanimation people. I've opened up a magma before, all right? But I mean, aesthetically, like, fat things are just cuter. I think we can all agree on that. But realistically, we all know that Fat Bomberman is killing himself. His cholesterol is through the fucking roof. It's funny because in Bomberman 93, he is considered a cop, so he really needs to stop with the donuts and he should actually chase down his perps instead of just standing there and shooting at them. It's just embarrassing. But man, what a what a refreshing game to play after Pac-Lan. I feel like I've kind of been in the trenches the past few episodes, which isn't fair to Bonk's Revenge. Bonk's Revenge was really fun, but I feel like the experience was somewhat tarnished by the bad taste that Bonk's Adventure left in my mouth. So, Bomberman 93. All right, let's get... All right, here we go. 
So once you start it up, a short cutscene plays as our protagonist, Bomber Cop, or we'll just we're just gonna call him White Bomber Man for the sake of that basically being his name for the rest of the series. Um, he's chasing down Evil Bomber Man, otherwise known as Black Bomber Man. Oh no, that's that's problematic. African American Bomber Man. <laughs> Listen. This is what both characters are referred to in most of the franchise entries. It's it's White Bomberman and Black Bomberman. There are other colors of Bomberman, but this is these are the two we're working with in this game. So you got Bomber Cop and Evil Bomberman. This is what they're referred to in the manual. We'll just we're gonna go with White Bomberman and Evil Bomberman. I'm not ready to get canceled just yet. Anyway, there is uh there's a short there's a short chase scene. It ends when Evil Bomberman hucks a bomb at our hero, causing him to crash. We then immediately cut to the title screen. You have two options as far as game modes go. You've got the normal game, which is your single-player game, and a battle game, which is the multiplayer. We'll get into the multiplayer uh, towards the end of the show. Now, here's a first for this podcast. Not only is this the first game on the show that requires a password to pick up where you left off... If you so choose, I mean, who wants to fucking die and then start all the way at the beginning of the game? But it also has the natural ability to provide a, a save or a load mechanic, uh, provided there's enough memory in the game. I think that I think that's how it works. Or it might have something to do with the battery. I'm not 100% sure. But the latter was a relatively rare thing at the time for consoles. I don't think it was until the SNES where games could just be saved on the cartridge... Uh, I could be wrong, but up until this point, if the developers felt nice, there would regularly be a password system used to recover where you left off. So jumping into a normal game of Bomberman 93, we're presented with almost an identical cutscene I mentioned before, except here we see evil Bomberman actually taking the seven vital MacGuffins, or computer chips, from the Pangalactic Mother supercomputer. I think we need a little more adjectives to these names. I'm just saying. Evil Bomberman scatters the chips to seven different planets, which serve as the areas composed of eight different levels. So we're looking at about 56 different levels here. It sounds really daunting, but it's really not. All of the Bomberman games, as well as far as I know, are basically, I don't know if what you really want to call them, they're like arena puzzle games. Each level is laid out like a maze with blastable walls. The core gameplay of Bomberman revolves around him clearing these walls out, as well as the enemies within the maze with his bombs. This core gameplay, these elements, have not changed for 30 years as far as I know. I haven't played every Bomberman game, there's like 70 of them, but I'm pretty sure the majority of them play exactly like this. Each level is timed, which is another first for a show, and uh, each level is about 3-4 to four minutes long. Within each level is a hidden exit that must be found by clearing obstacles in the assigned time. And then I guess this is where, this is why I call Bomberman kind of like a puzzle game because placing a bomb is kind of a strategy unto itself. Because once a bomb is planted, after a few seconds it will explode in multiple directions, forcing you to round a corner and wait out the blast. This is fairly simple in the early stages, but things get a little more complicated when you have enemies coming through the walls that could potentially corner you or force you to accidentally trap yourself 
between that wall and a bomb that you placed. On top of that, you have the power-ups, which are traditionally a great thing, but in later levels, things can get super hectic and kind of turning your power-ups against you. So let's just jump right into the power-ups. consist of random drops that appear after part of a wall is removed from the stage. So we'll start with the multi-bomb, which allows Bomberman to drop an extra bomb. This power-up stacks every time you collect it, allowing you to drop a maximum of 10 bombs. Combining this power-up with the line bomb power-up is incredibly destructive. This is one of those things that can probably backfire on you if you're not too careful. Line bombs allow you to lay a consecutive trail of bombs behind you. So the more multi-bomb pickups you have, the more bombs you can lay consecutively. There are two separate pickups that allow you to pass through objects that you normally cannot. One lets Bomberman walk through walls, and the other lets him hop over bombs that have already been placed down. In my opinion, these are game-changing power-ups. Too often did I collect the multi-bomb power-up and found myself laying them down in a hurry to get rid of enemies that were closing in on me, only to find out that I ended up boxing myself in. Or regardless of the bomb, I always found myself getting fucking cornered, especially by some of the enemies that again were able to pass through the walls that I'm trying to get rid of. I found that even just collecting the wall power-up by itself was super helpful in aiding me escape enemies, or just getting around the board in general. And what a fucking bummer when you die, because when you die, you lose all of these power-ups. You have to go recollect them. So if you're making it late into the game and you don't have any power-ups, it puts you at a huge disadvantage, forcing you into what Hornet would say, get good mode. That's for all my Hollow Knight hits. What if that, that's another great fucking game. I really need to do like a, a sideshow of just some of my like personal modern favorite games. Anyway, there are three other power-ups that increase the effectiveness of your bombs. There's the fire power-up, which increases the size of the explosion, and that can also be stacked, uh, but up to five times. The remote detonator, which allows the player to place a bomb and set it off whenever they please. And finally, the bomb pass, which lets Bomberman kick his bombs down the aisle. So another good combination of power-ups is the bomb pass and the remote detonator. Using both of these in conjunction offers up great puzzle-solving gameplay, if that's the way you prefer to play the game. I know I say pretty often that I'm bad at video games, but I got pretty fucking good at trapping an enemy behind me while looking for an enemy to get itself trapped down the board and hucking a bomb its way, and then taking both enemies out on the opposite side of the screen using the detonator. It's so gratifying to pull this off, and it comes up more often the further you get in the game. And in fact, it's, it's almost mandatory to beat the final boss, though it's not as involved, but we'll, we'll get into that later as well. There are two power-ups that will either increase the movement speed of Bomberman or slow him down. There's one power-up that allows him to be invulnerable to explosions for 20 seconds. There's a type of health pickup that allows Bomberman to take a hit without dying. And there's also your typical 1-up collectible to add to your stack of lives. And the final major power-up is the clock, 
which freezes every enemy on the board for 20 seconds. There are fruit collectibles as well, uh, but this just adds to your overall high score. But honestly, who the fuck cares about high scores on a home console anyway? At least back in the day, it was a little more fun when you would rent a game and crush the last person's high score who rented it. And then there'd kind of be like a back and forth when you guys would both rent the game. There'd be like a hardcore feud between anonymous 12-year-olds. And it was kind of like, fuck it. It was, it was the definition of, no, mom, I can't pause it. I have to beat Buttfucker. Buttfucker is spelled, for those who don't know about high score uh, nicknames and shit, it would always be like initials. So Buttfucker would be spelled like B-U-T-F-K-R. Anyway, there's, there's nothing really to say about the characters in this game. Uh, there's only the two. And of course, there's a random assortment of enemies in each level. These enemies do change every area, uh, but more or less perform the same way as their palette swap counterparts. Maybe before I talk about bosses, I should get into these areas a little bit, right? So the, the game, again, is divided up by seven areas. There's Quarry, Blossom, Inferno, Wither, Surf, Icicle, and Teco? Or Tico? I think it's Teco. It's like Techno without the N. If you don't know, if, if you're young, if you were born in the 2000s, uh, techno was basically the precursor to dubstep. Anyway, the, the last area, that techo, the last area, is a huge spike in difficulty. Um, and even going into it, I had a few power-ups and I was still shook. Uh, you could say that it uh, really shook me up. That's a potation rotation reference. Uh, shout out to my brother Paul. Needless to say, I died a lot during uh, this arrangement of levels and was lucky enough to even go into the final battle with the power-ups that I had. So as I stated before, uh, when I was talking about the gameplay, the goal of each stage is to eliminate all the enemies on the board and to find the hidden exit. You can really end up screwing yourself here if you happen to accidentally find the exit before you defeat all the enemies, because revealing the exit allows it to kind of act as like a portal, I guess? causing more enemies to spill out onto the board. This basically turns the game temporarily into like a horde mode, unless you have a good grasp on uh, what's going on and, and really eliminate those enemies very quickly. But And while I'm talking about the exits, uh, I hate that once you clear the board, the game doesn't highlight where the exit is. This It's the only thing that really annoyed me about this game. Because if you happen to miss a power-up for that stage, the game will gladly highlight where the power-up is, which is awesome. But more often than not, I was almost clearing entire levels of their walls while running dangerously low on time, trying to find this fucking exit. And in my opinion, having the timer still wind down after what I think is the main objective, really, clearing all the baddies out of the stage just seems kind of mean. But this is really just kind of like a, I guess it's just kind of like a minor complaint. It's nothing seriously detrimental to the game or anything like that. There are a lot of stages to play in this game, which is kind of a, it's not really a complaint. It's kind of a weird thing to say. Part of me wishes each area was six stages and instead of eight, which, which again, that's, that's a weird complaint to have in a game that's actually really fun to play. But just the hunt for an exit is just, it's really annoying. It, it really breaks up the pace of, of the game. At the beginning of each area, a short cutscene plays of Bomberman getting some intel on each boss, basically giving you little hints on how you'll have to defeat them. 
it kind of, I think it's, I think it's Mega Man 7. I think it's Mega Man 7 where Mega Man goes and he like talks to Dr. Light and Dr. Light will tell him about whatever power ups he got or like something about the stage or whatever. It kind of reminds me of that. So in the first area for Quarry, uh, the boss you have is Digger and he kind of looks like a Goomba in a cape. He's got like a cape and a hat on. For the next area, you have Petunia. Then you have Blastbat, who is the boss for Inferno. The boss for Wither, which is the hardest boss in my opinion, is... Here I go slaughtering names again. Elbal. 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 I feel like I need some sort of weird accent to say this name. Basically, so... So basically this boss camps in the center of the stage and has like alternating weak points. And I think after the first hit, he starts sending out like these sentient hands that chases you down like through the aisles and each of them can fire their own fireballs at you. It can be like a really, really rough time. And, and for, I guess it's about like the halfway point of the game, but it's, it's kind of like a huge spike in difficulty. At least it was for me. So then uh, the next boss, you've got the Cockle Twins. I'm not even going to touch that one. You got Grumpus after that. And then for the final boss, of course, you have Black Bomberman. Damn it! I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting. African-American Bomberman. <laughs> this fight is broken up into three different sections. First, you face off against like a, a red, blue, green, and yellow bomber men who are in race cars, they don't really do anything uh, any more interesting outside of any other ordinary enemies you've encountered. I don't even think they plant bombs. I don't I, I don't think they do shit. But after this, uh, the stage gets walled off and then you're kind of forced into an arena with African-American Bomberman who's driving this mech suit. He'll fly around all four sides of the screen and either shoot like these fists down the aisle or blast a fireball that kind of zigzags around the aisles. I actually found this part of the fight to be the most challenging part of the game, uh, even to the point where that's that's when I just started getting game overs. Luckily, the password system is there, though starting out this fight with no power-ups is a really bad idea. Unless, hey, unless you like getting fucked. Because you'll get fucked. Dry. No lube. Uh, so I found that it's it's best to set yourself a few stages back so you can gather a few power-ups before you go into the final fight. After the mech portion of the fight is over, uh, there's one last part where Evil Bomberman is floating around the stage in a small ship, periodically dropping bombs and detonating the ones that you have dropped. This isn't the first time you come across a boss being able to detonate the bombs you've planted. I think it's the icicle stage boss, uh, Grumpus, who kind of like floats around the stage and like stomps down and all your bombs explode. So they kind of, the game kind of tells you that enemies can do this. So it's not really that much of a surprise. The best way that I could find to deal with this final fight was to just kind of stay out of his way and wait for him to land. And then I would just send a bomb his way, kick it down the aisle. And lastly, the, the best part of the game are the screens that shows Bomberman, I don't, I don't know, befriending the boss after each fight. After each boss battle is done, um, you just get like this really cute fucking animation of Bomberman interacting with the boss. 
I'll have a couple of these screens on my Instagram account so you guys can check it out. That's MainQuestPod on Instagram. But each one is different. They're animated very well, and it's so cutesy anime that it fucking hurts. Just a little chunky little bomber man. It's almost like the Pac-Land screens that you'd get of like Pac-Man sitting there drinking his peach tea while a ghost jerks off in the bushes, with the exception that Bomberman 93 isn't completely programmed in MS Paint. And speaking of something that's not very cheap, uh, Bomberman 93 is probably the best music of any Turbo Graphics game that I've played so far for this show. It sounds so clean and layered, and there's like percussion and bass and all these songs with each one kind of having like this rock and like borderline synthy sound. Uh, the opening song itself is just really fucking good. And halfway through, they incorporate the key Bomberman theme before switching it up again. And the theme song for the first area, uh, Quarry, is just classic Bomberman music and kind of has like this very Eastern vibe to it. For some reason, it reminds me of the Mystical Ninja for Super NES. Hey, remember when Konabi made games? Anyway, I could go on about each track of this game, but honestly, um, kind of run out of time here. You should just go on YouTube and, and check out the OST and it's fucking phenomenal. Lastly, I want to touch on the multiplayer mode and I'm going to be perfectly honest and, and straight up with you and let you know that I did not play this at all because I can't. Nobody loves me, but also I don't have a second controller. Mainly it's the second controller is it's what's stopping me. Also, the the state of the world, I can't have anybody within six feet from me. So, But from what I've seen, uh, this mode is just your standard Bomberman multiplayer. What do I mean by that? It's the single player game without all the enemies. It's just you, a Bomberman, and another person playing another Bomberman. Both players select a respective Bomberman and stage and are thrown into an arena where each player tries to outsmart the other by bombing each other all the power-ups are also here uh there's an added power uh not a power-up like a debuff uh which is a skull and if you pick it up it'll kill you instantly i think i think that's how it works so that's that's the battle mode in a nutshell again i never i never played it for this show um i looked up some footage and uh i think when i played super Bomberman, i of course I think I played with my brother or my friends or whatever. I don't remember what other Bomberman game that I played, but I do remember playing the multiplayer in that game, and it for sure has not changed from Bomberman 93. So, so you have a very similar experience here. that's it that's uh that's bomberman 93 i had a shit ton of fun playing this game it really is just a super simple concept and when you think about it it is kind of a precursor of the modern day battle royale you just toss into an arena with other enemies and you have to defeat all the enemies and, and kind of be the king of the mountain you know and that same gameplay carries over into multiplayer 
In fact, it's kind of surprising they don't have a Battle Royale Bomberman these days. I have no idea what the fuck Bomberman R is. Maybe I should check that out. I think I think that's the Switch game. But that Battle Royale slash puzzle gameplay mechanics translates very well to these 2D sprites and game board without losing you know too much of that gameplay at all. And considering how old the TurboGrafx-16 is, and I think we're going to see it a lot more when we get to the Super NES, the visuals of the game haven't aged at all. It looks fucking great. And just like the Bonk series has its own visual style, and it, they pull it off very well. And then the amount of cutscenes they, they pack into this game is is great. We haven't seen that on this show yet, and it's, it's really fucking cool. And I'm also giving it extra points because we're not off to save a princess all we're doing is chasing down this other evil bomber man trying to get our fucking sd cards back i mean yeah it's it's stupid but like i'm surprised there is any plot at all and that's just exactly it you don't come to a bomber man game for plot you come to a bomber man game to play a bomber man everything feels right the way bomber man moves the clutch timing of of the bombs going off before you even have the remote detonator pick up and speaking of power-ups, just the multitude of power-ups that, that you have at your disposal. And then you have the different ways of playing the game, different tactics that you can come up with to get yourself to that final level. I'm not sure if I played any Bomberman games uh, prior to this one's release. I don't think I have. I don't think I ever played the original Bomberman. But I'm kind of interested in seeing how they tightened up the gameplay in future releases as well as seeing if they added anything else into the gameplay, just, just to see if they kind of mixed up the pot a little bit. So yeah, I'm going uh, I'm going strong recommend on this one. This is probably one of the best games that I've played so far for the TurboGrafx-16. Man, again, and then, and then the music. I, I didn't talk a lot about the music, but you got to go check out the music. So yeah, there, that's, that's it. Bomberman 93 in the books. Uh, so what do we have coming? Oh, uh, while I'm talking, well briefly mentioned music i am creating a spotify playlist of video game music it's really hard to find music of these lesser known games um but i'm trying to find what i can on spotify and adding game music that i have covered on the show so far to that playlist it was an already existing playlist that i started before i started doing this show and it has some music on there that if you look at it it's probably some stuff that's going to be coming up on the show so you can kind of have a little sneak peek of uh, what's to come, I suppose. I don't know how you share playlists on Spotify yet. I don't know. I don't even know what my fucking username on Spotify is. I've had Spotify for like 10 years or something. But when I figure that out, I will let you guys know, and you guys can follow that if you want. But for now, you guys can email me at mainquestpod at gmail.com if you have any comments about the show, you want to get something off your chest, tell me how much I suck. You can also do that on Twitter, at MainQuestPod. I probably shouldn't even be shouting out my Twitter anymore because I, I haven't used it. I think the only thing I've tweeted was about my trailer. I, I have no idea. Twitter is a mystery to me. Anyway, um, but I am on Instagram a lot. So you can go to, um, so you can always message me on Instagram, give the page a like, Share it with your friends. Send me nudes. Don't take, I take that back. Don't send me nudes. Uh, you can do that uh, at the underscore main underscore quest. 
So what do we have for next week? It is a terrifying game. In fact, I really wish it was October. In fact, this game would go really well with the surprise that I have in store for that entire month. Anyway, next week, I am playing Splatterhouse. It's Splatterhouse. <laughs> Later. <laughs>